My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we think of our life with the Messiah, what, what comes to mind? Well, we should recognize that he is, he is our life. Without him, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have the foretaste of, of the blessings. We have fellowship. We have just the joy, the, a heart that loves the scripture. All because of Messiah? What's that? All because of Messiah? All because of Messiah. Yeshua, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, yo. It is a Wednesday, September 25th, 2019. This is Messiah Matters number 273. Back in the seat with new bobbleheads behind me. My name is Caleb Hegg. It's you, man. I forgot I'm supposed to say something. Without my bobblehead, I left it up. My bobblehead got broken on the way home. Mm. It, there's a chip out of the head. I got a chip off. I got to super glue it. The, oh, thankfully, you- the is in there good good yes yeah, so uh, at the conference uh, first of all we should note that uh things look different because rob could not get his computer started this morning well my uh, monitors yeah i don't know what's going on his, his his uh his audio's off from his uh from his video as well so he's using his laptop so quality is not guaranteed in show 273 that's all there is to it uh we just got back from canada it was a lovely trip I thought it was a lovely trip. Got to meet all of our good friends. We missed Paul. Paul, we missed you over there. But uh, yeah, so they gave us custom bobbleheads. Last year we got jerseys, which I have here in my office, off camera. Uh, they gave us hockey jerseys. And this time, they gave, here's the thing, is that if we go back again, I mean, they're setting the bar really high. Where are they going to go from here? Pretty soon, I mean... And now, for coming to Teeswater, you get a new car! I mean, come on. (laughs) Anyway, this one right here is of me. That's my bobblehead. And then this one right here is my father. Yeah. I, you know, this was... We need some reading glasses for your dads. Yeah, no doubt. I, this was a dilemma for me. Do we, uh, do we try to put Spurgeon, you know, should my bobblehead be on the same level as Spurgeon or should we elevate Spurgeon a little higher? You need a preaching, you need a little preaching, uh, soapbox. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. And then at different times, you just like whoever's preaching. So we're getting, we're starting a bobblehead collection behind me. We're going to need Calvin for sure. At some point, who else? There's I think some... we need uh, Jacob Arminius like listening. <laughs> like, we need. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> listening to Calvin preach. No doubt. Um, all right. Yeah. Helen was there. It was great to see Helen and her husband, the husband that we uh, thought was in her head. <laughs> That's a joke, inside joke. Uh, we saw a lot of great people and we had a really good time. Uh, Rob preached on the book of Galatians and I'm convinced that he needs to write a book on this subject, something titled something like the new perspective on Galatians. It was really good. I think new perspective has been just used. 
It doesn't have any currency anymore. It's like pennies. It's like it's used all over the place. Okay, how's about this for a title then? Why I'm right and you're wrong about Galatians. Or how's about this? I got an even better one. Yes, I've read Galatians. (laughs) Oh. Uh, All right. Well, it's yeah, it was great. What a what a wonderful experience. You know, it it does take its toll. You know, um, you know, I got home at about what twelve thirty, so twelve thirty a.m. You know, um, local time, and it's you know it takes a lot out of you. You know, for your body to catch up. I'm still feeling like a little bit on Eastern time. Yeah, and you know, I need to clear something up. After I came back from. Um from Canada last year, people thought that I started saying A after that trip. The A actually for me started about two years prior to that when I started watching NHL hockey constantly and listening to the commentators. I picked up the word A. So, just so everyone knows. Anyway, um, talk, talk about Galatians a little bit. Rob did three uh, three lectures on the book of Galatians. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was... Uh, my, I <coughs> broke... It into three parts because I had, you know, three different sections that I did like you did. But, uh, you know, Caleb had the the one day where he had two sessions in one day. So that was kind of a a uh, marathon day for him. But I had the the a little spread out. So I had three days in a row, each with one presentation. And then because there's no time to go verse by verse, you know, we're going to read through the whole book and talk about all the things I chose three themes that I thought would be helpful. And so, and trying to be clever, you know, I, 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 the season one or season session one was crisis. Session two was kinship and session three was the King. So I had this uh, crisis kinship and the King as the three session titles. And, and so for crisis, I talked about what is going on. Why is Paul so fiery here in this, you know, saying, you foolish Galatians, you know, who has bewitched you? Like, why is he using this kind of language? What was going on in the communities there? Um, and I said, crisis is a good term. You know, not that there's danger, but there's some sort of trouble that needs instant attention. And Paul had been there, but of course, now he's writing a letter because he's heard of them being influenced by these people he calls the, those who are troubling you. Right. So we, we got into there to try to understand kind of the social dynamics of of why Paul wrote this letter. Um, then for the second session, we talked about kinship and how he uses terms like brothers, sons, you know, father for God, Abba Father. He even says Jerusalem above is our mother. So he uses these, what we call kinship terminology to, you know, ensure that these Gentiles who had come to faith and he had spent time instructing out of the scriptures that they were full members um, and that they are brothers and that they're fully worthy of table fellowship uh, as brothers and that there were, were all in, in or one family in Yeshua. And um, so that was the kinship. And that's that contrasts with what these troublers and other Jewish groups were, right. were doing, were saying, you're not a brother. You're not a son of Abraham, right? You're not part of the family unless you join our sect, basically. And then finally, the third session was the king. And I tried to talk about uh, how Paul anchors everything in 
uh, the love of Yeshua that uh, and the gospel that Yeshua came. It, it, one of the most powerful verses in Galatians for me is is in end of chapter two where he says, um, he talks about the Son of God who loved me. The faith I live is by the uh, faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of Messiah as the King who loves His people, and He gives Himself for His people. And on that front, we we jumped over to the Gospel of Matthew a little bit. You know, Yeshua's name. You know, when he, when uh, Joseph was told what to name the baby, um, it says he will save his people from their sins. Mm-hmm. So already, before Yeshua was even born, um, he already had a people for whom he would del- and, and that he would deliver them, and that this is a core anchor, a core historical moment that is important for Paul in Galatians. And it's also important for our behavior, as it says in chapter six, that that we are to love one another, bear one another's burdens, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. And what is the the Torah of the king, right? It's what the law of Christ means, right? It's the Torah of the king, and that that's in love, and and that's in community, right? I can't can't be a hermit and learn to love. (laughs) Also, if if I live as a hermit, I'm preventing other people who are commanded to love me. I'm preventing that. I'm preventing my own experience of being loved by other people fulfilling the commandment to love me. Right. right. So, um, anyway. So, yeah, there was a lot of talk at the conference about community. Yeah, <clears throat> which was really talk good. about that a little bit because you're you're you uh, intersected with that a bit in your talk. Yes. Yeah. I. Uh... Well, I talked on, I had three lectures. One of them was, is the Trinity biblical? Um, and then I did two lectures. Basically, I just covered, it was called Gospel of the Nations, but I covered um, Acts 8. So the Ethiopian eunuch and um, uh, the uh, the gospel going out to Samaria and things like that. So, well, I'm looking for this verse. Why can I not find it? I'm almost positive it's in Colossians, where it says... Uh, which specific one? Maybe I can find it for you. It's talking about uh, uh, don't uh, don't let anyone judge you about feasts and Sabbaths. And oh, yeah, Col- Colossians 2.16. See, now I looked into... Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or regard to a festival or a newman or a Sabbath. See, now, here's the other thing. This, my my uh, accordance must be screwed up because I put in Sabbaths and and constrained it to Colossians, and it said that Sabbath was not found in here. That's weird. That is wrong. Okay, anyway, now that I've found it. Yeah, so, um, and then at the very end of my last lecture, which was uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, I talked about baptism and uh, and kind of a an exploration of how conversion baptism was viewed in the first century and then brought that back into um, Ma- the end of Matthew 28, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Tried to tie basically my first lecture with my last lecture. You know, I tried a different kind of, of lecturing this time. The last time I went to Ontario, and, and uh, times past when I've been in places like the Philippines and whatnot to speak, I've created pa- a keynote or PowerPoint where you know, you put up a, a little quote or you put up something that's important to say. So it's like bullet points. And then uh, and then I just spoke, you know, on those bullet points and kind of expanded on everything. This time what I did was I wrote out everything that I wanted to say. Like I wrote a, basically a paper. And just read the paper and then expanded on that. 
I got to say, I think I like the first way better. So it threw me off a little bit. Well, what I like about what you did, because you had uh, your own handout. So we each had our own handout. So right. uh, Tim had handouts that were basically replications of the keynote, of, of the slides, so that people could have all the information. In other words, the handout was exactly the same content. And then he would As well talk up on the and then yeah. uh, expand, expand on things and people could write notes. Caleb had a nice little booklet handout that had... I think every single citation right. with with the proper you know title and page number with the bibliographical notes. So what I liked about that, Caleb, is that people, let's say there was a couple of quotes, they're like, I want to follow up on that. They have all that information there you've provided for them to, hey, I think I might check out that book from a library at least or or buy it even. Yeah, but yours was the most interactive because Rob made quizzes <clears throat> that you could do after you listen to each lecture, so three quizzes, which is really well, actually quite I was nice. bummed, though, because I I never said, let's go through one of the quizzes and as a group. There just was no time. So um, in terms of the follow-up, I don't know how many people actually went through and did all the, the quiz work, but I'm hoping at least some of them did. <laughs> I saw people doing it. Oh, good, good, okay. And then, of course, I was, I was informed multiple times that I was mispronouncing Takis which is the correct way to pronounce it. One of our ho one of our most amazing, gracious hosts oh, was uh, Caleb found out for the last year. He I've he mispronounced was... their last name. I thought it <laughs> so, was the CAC. We, we had fun with that. <laughs> I think we had fun with that. I think that most I think that 90 percent of that family, everyone except for Frank, was just annoyed. <laughs> They're like Caleb. <laughs> yeah, Caleb. No, that's not right. Um, anyway, so I, it was a, it was a good conference overall. My father uh, presented some new material that he'd written on um, on Bible translations. So oh, yeah, good we'll, stuff. We'll try to get that uh, put together and then and put up. And for those who are Messiah Matter uh, supporters, I'll probably put at least the audio into the Messiah Matters More section in the next week. Um, so uh, I know that we've slacked a little bit in putting Messiah Matters more content in, but now you're going to get flooded with a ton of it. So never fear. Um, okay. Well, let's go to some, uh, let's go to some, we got some interesting emails and, and, uh, we got also a, uh, a voicemail that I kind of wanted to look at. Um, this was on the Sabbath and this was from someone. And by the way, Rob and I got back late, late, late Monday night or Tuesday morning, however you want to see it. And uh, we decided that I was taking, I took Tuesday off because I'd been away from my family for five days. You know, my kids are young and, and uh, so I, and my family's been sick, so I decided to stay home with them. And uh, so we didn't have our normal Monday, Tuesday meeting on what we were going to talk about. So this is all fresh. Rob has not heard any of this. So everything that he says is shooting from the hip. So this could be really fun and interesting okay. or very heretical. One of the two. We're not sure. I'm, I'm playing. Okay, so this is on the Sabbath. This is an email that was written to us. person says, on this last show, 272. This was two sh uh, last show. Yeah, last show. On the Sabbath, I was wondering what is prohibited and what is permitted. Some people avoiding, avoid spending money on that day. So, uh, yes, they do. And the reason why is, well, there's multiple reasons why. But the main reason why is because of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah. 
If you go into the book of Nehemiah and read through uh, that prophet, he talks about how people were trying to buy and sell on the Sabbath and how it, it was, I don't think he calls it abomination, but he calls it, basically, they knew they weren't supposed to be doing it. He tells them. Now, then the question comes into play, can you, uh, can you uh, create or derive halakha and like commandments from narrative? Now, if you, if you ever go through, like, my father's uh, uh, class on hermeneutics at Torah Resource Institute, or if you take, even at a, at a good Christian uh, seminary like uh, Walter Kaiser, in his book, he, he says that you cannot create, uh, you can't create halakha or, like, commandments the way that you should do things from narrative in the Bible. And a good example of this would be, like, uh, having multiple wives. Right, you can't say ah, Jacob had multiple wives, therefore I can have multiple wives. That's not that's not how. Anyway, so uh, but yes, the the biblical it, there is biblical precedence to understand, and you could build this actually from the the commands of the Torah too. Anyway, um, so this person says some people avoid spending money on that day, some avoid cooking food, and this also can be derived from the uh, from the Torah. Some avoid exercise. Being so new to this, it seems like some things are clear and others are not. We recently enjoyed visiting a park that costs money to get into, but then we just walked and enjoyed the day. But technically, someone had to be there and work for us to purchase entrance, entrance tickets. Just curious on what's clear in Torah and what isn't. Not looking to bend rules, but my husband doesn't observe the Sabbath or the Torah like I do and likes to go places occasionally that cost money. Do I abstain? Well, you got a lot going on in that question. And the reason why is because ultimately this, this comes back to community rule. Ask your local pastor. Ask your, you know, ask your congregational leaders um, because every community is going to be a little bit different. So that would be number one. Number two, a woman who is, uh, is, is married to a man and the man is not Torah observant or Sabbath observant. And now you get into a whole lot of other issues. Yeah, um, a lot of moving parts there. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I, I think at some point you've got the individual. Right. Then you've got the family. Then you've got the community. Exactly. And so I think, yeah, for me, my, a principle is don't, I don't spend money on Shabbat. Same here. You know, but as a community, you know, if I don't, I'm not going to, you know, bust somebody's chops. You know, we, it, it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult uh, issue. That's it's, for sure. It's a delicate thing. And the reason why is because we, you know, the group that we're a part of is, uh, has formed specifically to encourage and to be kind of a bridge and so we're, you know, we're dealing with people who are, uh, in some cases, not actually most of our group is very on board and very Torah observant. Um, but then we got some people who don't think that it's necessarily wrong to spend money. So at what point does the community come in and say, no, you have, you know, how can you put restrictions on a person's personal belief when they're not at, you know, not with the community? Right. And so, so then for the leadership could take a position like, okay, we're going to ask that you don't bring, if you stop by a latte stand or something, you know, and get a coffee, 
right which is in the pacific northwest there's coffee stands on every street corner right where caleb lives and where i live um and so people might go oh, i'll just get a coffee you know and what we did is we have a little one of these commercial keurig machines you know where people put the little we have a bunch of different co- so people could come in and pop a little pod and have their little choice of a drink which it's that's a convenience that's that's something we want to provide um but we would ask people not to bring bring that into the space you know and and Jason. you know and so, sometimes it sometimes it it, it it that's not even enough you know jason comments he says when you buy your produce from the store didn't a farmer work on the sabbath to get you the crops plus didn't someone stock the items for you i mean this is this is an argument I hear a lot, and uh, people have said, "Oh, if you sell your products on Amazon, then they're going to be sold on Shabbat." At this point, it's out of your hands. Yeah, you can only control what you can control. Right, exactly, and not um, only that, but we're in the diaspora, and even in in the first century, the uh, those who you know the Romans. Like for example, I might buy a product that somebody I, I bought it on a weekday, but someone might have actually built that product on the Shabbat. Now, ideally, if if we were in a you know in the, in the Yeshua is on the throne and the Shabbat's being observed, when you buy a product during the week at the market, you're you know it was built during the weekday, you know. Right. Um, and that's obviously the scriptural ideal. That's I mean it's a beautiful picture, um, but we have to recognize, like you said, we're we're still in diaspora. We're you know in worldly terms. We're in, there's still an exile. We're waiting for Messiah to return. And so we are constantly at all these different levels needing in need of vigilance, but also having to negotiate our, our situation in order to live. And, and so that, that's why Yeshua's teaching of the Torah, how he frames it as love of God is the first, first and greatest commandment, the Shema, and then love your neighbors yourself is as it. And that if I elevate some sort of community halakha with, you know, mercilessly, then that's a problem. Well, and you know, look, I, I've spent money on the Shabbat when I've, you know, ran out of gas or, <laughs> you know what I mean? I've given, you know, or when people have asked like, hey, I need, you know, my family's in, in need. It's not like I, I'm not an Orthodox Jew who, you know, won't carry money on the Shabbat. I have right. a horribly embarrassing story about that in Israel, by the way. Well, here, but there's the other thing, too, of electricity. There's people who won't use it, you know, well, we won't put it, plug in a, a crock pot, right. right, or or drive. That That's just an example of how stringent people's choices can and their convictions can be. But, I don't think there's a, but, but you could say, well, someone's running the car right now there's a guy monitoring you know the, the power the, i mean ultimately personally i don't buy or sell on the shabbat my family doesn't buy or sell on the shabbat um we tend to try to go places if we're if we're going to go somewhere on the shabbat we try to go somewhere where we don't obviously we wouldn't spend money to get in but um well here, here's an example like where in the in the past i think this year we're in a different situation but for SBL, you know, we're in a hotel. Right. And so what do we do? Well, obviously we're not paying, we're not paying for it on Shabbat, but the Shabbat's included in 
the span of time we're there. But what we will do is put do not disturb signs on the door. Right. So as to, you know, to prevent the, the hotel staff from coming in and, and, but you know, that's, that's a negotiation, right? We're, we're in a situation where we need to do our best right, to, to live by our principles and our convictions. And that's what we do. Yeah. But ultimately, I mean, this comes right back down to something that we've talked about many times. And that is, is that this is one of the reasons that it's so important to be in, in community, number one. And, but we also have to understand the authority structure that the Almighty has put forward for us. In other words, um, you know, the elders at my community can't come into my home and tell me, oh, you, you have celebrated the Shabbat incorrectly here. You know, you turned on the light switch. That's, you know, we don't do that, so you shouldn't either. Right. And I think we should go back to this Colossians 2.16, Caleb. So he says, therefore, let no one judge you in regard to food, drink, respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. In where I grew up, this was interpreted to say, you can eat whatever you want, you can drink whatever you want. You don't have to keep any festivals, new moons or Sabbaths. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they're violating this verse. Right. That, I, I, I think that's so silly to think that's actually what Paul meant. <laughs> what Paul's saying is, is what you're getting at. Someone from the outside trying to micromanage right. your growth and learning of walking in the Torah. The whole context of the Colossians is contrasting uh, the commandments of God from the commandments and philosophies of men. Exactly. And actually, so I was reading Colossians while we were on our trip. Um, I'm on a yearly reading plan, and and I just happened to be in Colossians. You know what this actually reminded me of? And I don't want to down, I don't want to down the the Christian brothers and sisters who have who have opposed the the uh, you know who have opposing views, uh, per se. But you know when we had the conversation with with Jeff Durbin, and Apologia uh, Radio about the Sabbath, you know, Durbin had come out and said that, it, that if a person is celebrating a Saturday Sabbath, then they're, a, they're bordering on capital H heretic. But then I read this, Colossian, this Colossians passage. It says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Well, right. isn't that exactly he's actually, what he's actually violating that? Yeah, he's, I mean, isn't that exactly what Colossians tells him not to do? Exactly. So, I mean, it, it and of course, um, you know, the the one thing that really kind of I was kind of a little bit sad about about that entire uh, back and forth is that Durbin and the, and the guys over there, they were so bent on. Oh, you know, they said that we were in Phoenix. We're not in Phoenix. We're in Tempe. Oh, they don't know our view on. Uh, you know, the millennium, oh, they don't, you know, it's like, you're, these are all these issues that have nothing to do with the conversation. Distraction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're trying, it's, it's almost like you're baiting your audience. Deflection. In, yeah, yeah. You're deflecting yeah. your audience. Exactly. That's what was, that was, what was so That's sad. Fine. About you that. know, yeah, I, I, I look at it like this. The people who are real intense and really want to know the truth, right. They'll, they'll, they'll climb through all that. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, coming back to this question, when we when we talk about husband and wife, this is when it really gets very sticky. Um, you know, at what point does a wife say, "No, I'm not going to do X, Y, Z, or whatever"? Um, I think this is, and once again, once again, this is why I think it's very important to be in community. Yeah, 
um, because those are those are things that need to be talked out uh, within a community, uh, you know, with community leaders, elders, and uh, people who can give really good advice. Okay, let's move on. This is a good one, but I don't know if we're prepared for it. But you know what? Rob's a, a clever guy, so get out your Accordance Bible software. Here we go. Titus 3, 9 through 11. This person writes in and says, I was reading Titus the other day and curious on how we interpret Titus 3, 9 through 11. Quote from an NASB, it says, But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the Torah, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a uh, factious man after a first and second warning. Knowing, it's a heretic. Yeah. yeah knowing sure. that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. So I think the real question is uh, uh, yeah. controversies, disputes about the strife and disputes about the law. Right. So what's the what's the question? What is what, basically, especially in the Torah movement, what uh, what is strife and disputes about the law? How do we interpret that? I think it's I think it has to do with people who don't really understand the Torah, right? People who people who don't understand the Torah who are trying to interpret it and teach it, and they really don't know what they're doing. They're twisting it. Uh, there's a parallel. Let's see here. What is it? Uh, let me see here. Uh, to be honest with you, I see this as... as um... Okay, here's uh, the parallel real quick is First Timothy 1.7. It says, for some man strain, okay, I'll read 1 Timothy 1, 5 through 7. It says, the goal of the commandment is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Okay, the goal, that's telos. That's the same word in that Paul uses in Romans 10 where it says, Christ is the telos of the Torah for righteousness unto all who believe. Okay, the goal. The goal of the commandment is love from a pure heart. Okay, what is love? What do you mean love from a pure heart? That's the greatest commandment, right? But then in verse 6, for some men strain from these things. I mean, strain from love of God and love of neighbor have turned aside to fruitless discussion, wanting to be teachers of the Torah, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. So I think we need to read the Titus passage in concert with 1 Timothy 1 to understand Paul's not saying just don't talk about the Torah. He's warning uh, people to be, because this is this is where the, the wolves get their traction. One primary place where a wolf in sheep clothing, sheep's clothing gets his traction right. is through trying to bring some sort of teaching that seems to be in the from the Bible it gets people attention, right? Oh, like maybe I need to leave my priorities, the Torah of Christ, the law, of, the law of the King, and I need to start listening to this guy who's got some special revelation or some teaching from the Torah that, that nobody else, you know, that I got to go there, right? But, and it's the same thing over and over again. So I, it's... Can I, can, I, can I tell you yeah. what comes to my mind? I, you know, I think honestly, and I hate to burst anybody's bubble here i think honestly of the hebrew roots movement a lot you have these people who have yes. taken their focus uh, off the off the gospel okay and they should not be teaching the law right and instead and instead of instead of focusing on the gospel that that uh in your seat all the nations of the earth will be blessed and what the what that means and how 
that it, that how that is manifest through us as believers. Instead of Caleb, doing that, I, I have yet to meet, and I, I this uh, this will be a challenge. Challenge to anybody out there who listens to this show. If you consider yourself Hebrew roots, and you are competent in biblical Hebrew, contact me. I want to talk with you. I, I want to talk with you. I want to Skype set up a Skype. I want us to open the scriptures and I want you to read Hebrew and I'm going to ask you questions about what you're reading and I want you to explain your explain. Because I have to yet to this day in 20 how many years of, of being aware of this Hebrew roots. It's called Hebrew. The first word is Hebrew. I have yet to meet someone who has competence in Hebrew. The majority of people in Hebrew roots that are interested in Hebrew are in the are they're all in the wrong they're going the wrong way on they're going down dead end streets they're driving off cliffs they're they don't know what they're doing well hebrew yeah what i see so, so, this, so this my, goes, my challenge this, is if you consider yourself hebrew roots and you think you are competent in hebrew please contact our offices we want to talk to you okay with that said though <laughs> when you look they need you, to strike hebrew out of their name that's when, my point when you look at things like when you look at things within the hebrew roots movement like blood moons the et uh theology yeah paleo exactly, paleo exactly. paleo hebrew when you uh, you know word pictures when you look at things like different calendars and i mean just non just on and on that's and right. on it's it's all this huge distraction that has nothing to do with the gospel message they say it does but it benefits no one at all. You know, and I, I, I don't want to name names. I went to a conference last year, and uh, there were three speakers. One of the speakers decided to go on a huge rant about uh, Hebrew word pictures. Now, what he was trying to do was he was trying to show in the passage that he was speaking on a specific message. By the end of it, what he, what, basically what the message was was that uh, we as believers should love each other and and should uh, see each other's uh, lift each other's up as brothers and sisters in the Lord, and that there should be no strife between us, but that we should we should be one in unity. Okay, the passage that he was talking about had that on the surface. You didn't need any Paleo Hebrew to figure it out. That's what the passage said. So I mean, basically, he spent forty five minutes on Hebrew word pictures. When he could have just said, he could have done the whole thing in two minutes and then actually expounded on the text even more. Basically, what it was was a distraction and a roundabout way to, to I mean, you know, and people are, oh, oh, my word. Oh, this is so amazing. It wasn't amazing. It was a distraction from, from what should have been taking place, which was preaching the gospel message. Uh, anyway, okay, let's keep going. So that's what I think it means. That's what I think it means. Should we listen to an audio clip now that we've just come off that? I think we should. This is a minute and 27 seconds long. The person got cut off. They called in. They, they spoke for about nine, nine seconds, got cut off somehow, called back in. So it sounds like I come in at a weird place, but it's because the person called back and, and said, I'm sorry, I got cut off. You know, this is what had, uh, you know, I had said anyway. So th this is her comment. Myself and a other families follow the Hillel calendar. For those who don't know what the Hillel calendar is, the Hillel calendar is the standardized calendar. Came in in what the second or third century CE, 
Uh, Probably and, by the fifth century. Right. Fifth okay, but it, it, what it did was it standardized the calendar so that you didn't have to live in Israel. Everyone would be on the same calendar, and it is shockingly accurate when it comes to new moons and these kind of yeah, things. Yeah, they're they're dealing with the problem of diaspora, obviously. Anyway, so that's what she's talking about when she says the Hillel calendar. The Up North uh, Fellowship. Downstate where I attend, uh, where we rent a church and have weekly Shabbat services. We're on the Hillel calendar also. But there's some people that are doing Up North, the Vatikite calendar. And then I recently found out there are... Hang on just a sec. For those who are listening, and I found out how many people, there are a lot of people listening on the podcast and not watching this on YouTube. Rob has his he- head buried in his hands. Keep, we're going to keep going. That are going to be celebrating Sukkot next week because someone from another fellowship downstate flew to Israel and saw that the barley was ripe, and so they're a month early. And I know there are things on the website I can read, and I have started to read some of those, but I'm wondering what can I say? Maybe just some, a few tips on what I can say to people when they decide to go off on these different calendars. Okay, we've talked about this numerous times on this show, and that's totally fine. We'll, we'll talk about it again, and, and this is something that people need to hear because this comes out every single year. First of all, somebody flying to Israel and, and seeing ripe barley doesn't mean that they, that they have any authority or right to all of a sudden declare anything about the calendar. That's number one. I think it's divisive. Of course it's divisive. And I, here's here's the thing. If if the people who are following this, what's called Tzadik, the very fact that they're calling it Tzadikite shows that the people who are, te- the teachers are, are not to be trusted. So, but if they're all in and they're going to follow that teacher and that's what, you know, then I would warn them against that teacher. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't go right to the dispute, uh, the calendar dispute. I would. I would say, you know, we need to look at the teachers you're listening to. And are you? Are you? Do you agree with what, everything this teacher is teaching, or the most of what this teacher is teaching? Look, for me, look. If you found, if you're in an area and you found a, a group that that is celebrating a different calendar. Than the standardized calendar. Okay, the the first question I would ask myself is why? Why are they? Uh, you know, and are they are they kicking against the the norm in other areas? If they're not, right, right. and and their teaching is good, and this is one thing that you disagree with, then you have one of two options. Say okay, fall in line with with the cal- calendar that they're celebrating, a- a- at least with the community, and be a part of that community, or say no i'm not going to and leave the community yeah i, I but to I come think, to come into a community and be like oh you guys are doing it all wrong yeah you've been around for 30 years but who cares you, you're all wrong on this and everyone should conform to the calendar that i think is right nonsense yeah i agree with caleb 
the chances are if someone's pushing that, they're also pushing sacred name or there's going to be other things against Torah, something like maybe Nehemiah Gordon would say like, oh, you know, the rabbis have a ban on the name of God, right? Stand against the ban. Right. They've got a, they've got a thing. Oh, really? Here's the secret. The thing It's really, this is how you pronounce the name. And really they, they try to control when you keep the feast, but really here's when the feasts are that kind of, uh, leverage to me is schismatic. That's, that's divisive and it's anti-gospel. I think you got a lot of the people who are pushing that. I bet they don't even understand what the gospel message is and they should not be trusted or listened to. Um, now, of course, like Caleb said, you know, if you have people you love there and you're, 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 you want to stay connected and, and you want to maybe hold out hope and lead with mercy, then maybe you could, uh, you know, stay connected somehow, but, but keep the feasts with other people at the right time. But at some point there, I don't know how long-term sustainable that kind of trying to, it's like trying to have a foot on two different boats. You know what I mean? At some point the boats are going to start going in different directions. So, uh, somebody, I, I'm not sure what's going on in terms of, uh, who shared what, where, but apparently, uh, somebody shared something and, and now we got a couple new people in the chat room, which is excellent. Um, and somebody says, let's see here. I want to go back to this. Courtney says, um, here we go. Hang on. Just, I'm getting there. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I was text messaged and told y'all challenge the Hebrew rooters. I'm Hebrew roots. Okay. Not a problem. Okay. No, I said, we'll get back to it. She said, okay, no problem. Oh, um, no, no. I no. And yeah. you are competent in heat. Oh yeah. Hang on just a sec. Wait, wait, hang oh. on just a sec. Um, this same uh, thing came up in Canada. I can't believe we already discussed this. And basically somebody said to me, because I said, look, you know, I, uh, people have gotten upset at me for challenging the Hebrew roots. And the guy sitting across this table, wonderful believer and, and uh, gentleman at that, said to me, what do you mean by that? Why would you challenge the Hebrew roots, the Hebrew roots movement? Now, this is a great question and something that needs to be uh, spoken about often. And, uh, you know, I don't know what people think of when they think of Hebrew roots, but that doesn't really matter. Basically, my answer to this gentleman was this. In the 1980s, the late 1980s, you know, the turnoff and all these guys in the 70s had kind of invigorated this movement. And this movement came out of the charismatic church. And the charismatic church, basically what they had done, this goes back all the way to the early 1900s. Okay. What they had done was they had decided, look, we need to reach Jewish people. And how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to do that by creating a service on a, on a Saturday that looks a lot like a synagogue, and what we're going to and that'll be attractive to the Jewish people. They'll come in, they'll feel at home. Maybe they've just converted to Christianity, but they'll feel at home, and then we can teach them on a, a service that they feel uh, comfortable in. Okay, so this is how this all started to form in the '70s. Chernoff came about, and Joel Chernoff, and, and he's still around the day, and and. Uh, uh, anyway, a lot of people know him, I believe, through his music. But uh, Chernoff came around and he said, look, this is, this is great stuff. More people should be doing this. And this movement started in the late 70s. Now, the 80s come around. My father is you know, now coming to his heritage and whatnot. And, uh, and so you have the rise of, these, of some of these guys who are trying to figure out theologically what they believe. And out of this rises multiple different 
theological stances. One of them is one law theology, which my father was a champion of all the way back to the late 80s. Okay, And one law theology said the law is not for the Gen- or for the Jews only. The law is for the Jews and the Gentiles. Now this was before, before that though. Even Caleb, it's not. This isn't just cultural heritage, um, sprinkle a celebratory Hebraic sprinkling. Right. It actually there's an obligatory aspect to this, right? That's the first move. And then the move is well, if it is obligatory, is it obligatory on the whole body of Christ or just Jewish? believers, right? And then you have that contrasted with the people who say it's obligatory and for Jews only versus it's not even obligatory for Jews, but it's culturally appropriate. Sorry, keep going. No, no, no. So this is good. And we got a couple of other conversations going on in the chat room right now, so I'm not going to even look for a few seconds. So basically what <laughs> happens is, is that you, you got uh, you got you got this idea of one Torah coming, coming up, okay? Now, at the time, you have groups like FFOZ and whatnot who are also <clears throat> on board with One Law Theology. Now, what ends up happening is you have this huge, giant exodus. I would say giant, but it's, it started as a slow trickle in the, in the 90s. You have this exodus of, of Gentiles from uh, coming to an understanding of Torah in the mainstream Sunday Christian church and saying, this is amazing, we should be keeping the Sabbath, or wow, the festivals are, are enlightening me so much on who Yeshua is and, and all these things. This is amazing. And so and this they, is fueled by a, by a book printing industry, right? A, a, a book industry of Jewish and uh, or Jesus and Jewish background, right? And, and a bunch of rabbinic works translated into English, Dead Sea Scrolls being published in English. And you have all this scholarship out there in the academic and popular culture that is also fueling this, right? There's right. a whole industry, a book industry. Think of all the books published since from the 80s on about Jesus and the Jewish background for the New Testament. This is all fueled. Now, this this is true. And one of the things that's going on in the early 90s, when my father is, is uh, tr- starting to champion the idea of one law theology is that there's another theology. Now this is going to get confusing for a lot of people because this theology has changed, but there's another theology that's being pushed by a woman named Bacha Wooten and Bacha is coming up saying, look, there's, she, she actually takes from other theological stances, British Israelism and whatnot, but she comes out with her flavor of two house theology. And what two house theology says is if you are a believer and you, if you're a true believer, then you're actually part of one of the lost tribes of Israel. <clears throat> and so uh, my father and others say, no, this is absolutely wrong because the Gentiles will come to, to faith. In, right, in, and that in if you're well. a Jewish believer, you're of the house of Judah, right? And if you're a, if you're a Gentile believer, you're of Ephraim, right, of the northern tribes. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. And so then uh, come into the early 2000s and... Basically, these people who have come into a Torah uh, mindset have said, this is so wonderful. And I've talked about highs and lows, like the spiritual high that you get when you learn something new. And they've had this spiritual high on Torah, and they're like, oh, my word, seeing the Sabbath has just blown my mind. Now I understand so much more about the scriptures, yada, yada, yada. But that's not enough. They want more. And so what starts happening you have Michael Rood at the end of the 90s who prophesies the tr- Great Tribulation starting on 9999. Then you have his second 
prophecy. You have Monty Judah prophesying the return of, of the Messiah and the Antichrist. I think Monty Judah was a but was you before might, that. You might be right. Rude. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, because his his was in like ninety seven, ninety eight, <clears throat> and then you have. Um, I mean, it just keeps going. You have all these different. Um, it's like, hey, I think I'd like to prophesy when yeah, the Messiah exactly. comes and sell a book. But it, so you have you have this influx of bad theology. You have this horrible view of two house theology. And granted, I understand that two house theology has shifted over the past thirty years. And many people who claim to hold to two house theology do not believe in Bacha Wooten's flavor of two house theology. But not, I digress. Um, you have all these bad prophecies and people like Michael Rood and, and Monty Judah who are falsely prophesying. And then you have, even into our modern time, you have uh, the whole blood moon phenomenon. And you, oh. then you have the uh, Hebrew word pictures and interpreting the Bible through Hebrew word pictures. You have the et theology. You, I mean, the list just goes on. And bad on, use of rabbinics, too. Bad use of re Kabbalah rabbinics. Now you is got, yeah, now you got people like Itzhak Shapiro who are straight up peddling a false gospel and trying trying to bring in Kabbalah into say, saying Yeshua is a created being now. Exactly. So they're, they're actually kind of more allied with Jehovah's witness kind of, uh, angle. Right. Exactly. So the point is, is that what ultimately happened, and I believe that this started to happen at the beginning of the two thousands is that the Hebrew roots movement, instead of emphasizing the fact of let's we, we have been saved by grace through faith. And because right. of it, we love God so much. We want to do whatever he says. And that was the initial push. Instead of that, it's, what can we like? What's the new great thing that can tickle the ears? Right, right. And, and what we're trying to do, Tor, we're trying to go back to the equipping, so that people can just grow in discernment of how to build on rock rather right. than on sand, so that when these winds of doctrines come, and and you know another important um, variable along this chronology that Caleb's going over is the rise of the internet, and how wolves have learned to, wow, books sell. If I have something about Jewish and mysteries and Jesus and revel, you know, what's, what's Khan's latest con? The oracles. Yeah, exactly. The book of oracles or the book of mysteries and all this kind of stuff. Those books sell because they sit, they have a sizzle. You know what I mean? People like, oh, this is like the latest revelation. And, and they're literally, you know, making money you know they're just taking it to the bank and they're not anchored in the truth right the, the, but ultimately the point is is that it comes from an i an I, identity crisis we're no longer part of the church and this is a wrong way to think what we should oh, say right. is uh, well we're i all, think i think all... there's people in the church that are staying in the church but they still buy con's books Oh, of course. But my point is, is the idea of the of people saying, oh, I'm not Christian, I'm Hebrew roots. No, the believers are all one ecclesia. And the idea that we have to come up with some new name. No, the name Hebrew roots has been tainted by a yeah. rejection of deity, a rejection of of all sorts of, you know, of yeah. good theological issues that men and women yeah, literally that's died. Water. It's water that's been it's water that's been sat out and it's got it's got algae and mosquitoes and yeah, exactly. And, and, and putrid. That's putrid water. <laughs> and there are some good people who want to hold on to that name, Hebrew Roots. Okay. 
that's up to you. But I'm not putting my name up there with people like Khan and Biltz and uh, Shapira and Rude and well, Judah God. and all the, I mean, why would I ever want to in any way? It's the same reason I, I, well, yeah, it's the same reason I stopped wearing a keeper. I don't want people to associate me with an unbeliever. And I don't want people to associate me with false prophets and, and, and bad theology. The fact of the matter is, is that Christianity, for, by and large, up until the 1900s, believed that the law was a good thing. What, I mean, what's one of the f- first, uh, first catechisms uh, questions in the Westminster larger, uh, shorter catechism? What is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. Right. So it's, you know, the push in the... In the Foundation recent- for the reformers is the, the positive view of the law of God. So the difference then is, is how it's taught and understood. <clears throat> that's, that's where the difference is. Um, but they're definitely, until, I mean, when, when, do, when does the laws done away, because, is it about 100 years old? How old is that idea? Uh, I think even more recent than that. Because you have, thing, you have things like, look... I'm not trying to argue that the that the mainstream Sunday Christian Church has not made some big missteps from a very 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 long time ago, second century at least. Uh, things like oh the Sabbath was changed to Sunday. But let's give a little bit of credit where credit is due. The church also this mainstream Christian Church Sunday keeping Christian Church also said the Sabbath is a very important thing. It's just moved to Sunday. In fact, in the eighteen in the sixteen eighty nine Conf- Baptist Confession, they talk at length about how important the Sabbath is. The pres- my Presbyterian friends today continually say that the Sabbath is a very very important thing, but that it's just been changed to Sunday. Now, I'm not saying that's right. Please don't hear that either. But what I'm saying, but they is, are valuing the, conceptually. They haven't rejected the concept outright. Right. So and and you know, uh, now granted, I will admit fully admit that the mainstream Sunday-keeping church has rejected the festivals. That's a problem. And I don't understand why anyone would ever want to do that. Anyone who sits down and celebrates Passover and understands the implication of what the Messiah said and did during his Last Supper should rejoice at the fact that we have this wonderful, wonderful festival. Oh, wow. Amen. And and to, yeah. to think that we should just throw it out and shouldn't do it anymore or that it should change to a different festival is ludicrous. You know, Yeshua says, do this in remembrance of me. I mean, come on. But the, but the point is that the, the, the notion that the, that the Torah is bad or whatever is a mainstream Christian idea that has come about, I think, especially strong since the 80s when we started to see a rise of Torah observance among believers. And it continues to rise, right? We're continue, we continue to get pushed against. Somebody says, Caleb, but the Sabbath changing is similar to Lunar Sabbath and not a bunch of smack talk about uh, that in the Hebrew Roots movement. Lunar Sabbath is ridiculous. Uh, and and I, I, you know... That's another one that kind of emerged over the last 20 years. Right. I'm not saying that the, that, Christian, that the mainstream Sunday Christian church is right by changing the Sabbath to Sunday. What I'm saying is, is that there's this, there's this gradual... Uh, downplay of Torah in general within the mainstream Christian church, and it's taken a nosedive in the past 30 to 40 years. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's right. Um, 
Yeah, there's a lot going on in the chat. <laughs> there's a lot going on in the chat room right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that it, it, what does Coasty Hin say? He says, be, be solid in theology and flexible with people. Isn't that the truth? And we're all on our own. We're all on a journey, right? We're all on this journey of, of trying to please the please the Lord, not because we are going to gain favor with the Lord by doing the right thing. Those right. who are justified are justified through faith from the foundations of the uh, of the world. But rather, we love Him because He first loved us. Amen. <clears throat> um, you know there was a there was a comment way back here i want to go back to it real quick and see if i can find it um by jason i'm not exactly sure what his point was he says i'm a little confused please help me understand if god tells us that no man knows the day or the hour that yeshua will return if that goes with the feasts then how can we go with a set calendar i'm not sure what you mean that doesn't go with the feasts I think it's a I think it's a, uh, a a Christian and and or Hebrew roots invention that Yeshua has to return on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah, or that he has to come back on on Sukkot. Once again, it's a nice thought, but there's nowhere in the text that explicitly states this. The fact of the matter is, is no one knows the time or the hour. Even your Hebrew, even even your teacher in the Hebrew roots, who says that he's got to come back on a Yom Teruah. The Lord will come back when the when the Almighty God has decreed it, and not when some teacher supposes it's going to happen. This is one of the problems with all these people saying, "Oh, he's coming back on this date." It's not the only problem. Don't get me wrong, but it's one of the problems. Um. Okay, I mean we've we've talked a lot. <laughs> I don't know if we. Uh, yeah. Do we? Uh, we have anything else? You want? I mean, I have other things, but should we save for next week? Yeah, we could save for next week. We're going um, to try to get Rob's stuff uh, worked out, his computer worked out, so that it's not the same. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll get that. We'll get that figured out. I want to thank everyone who supports this show. Sponsored by Ace Religious Supply, where they say if we don't got it, it ain't holy. Uh, especially our uh, our uh, producers. If you want to buy a producer credit, you can do so. But I would hold off until next week. We are going to design a new mug for our 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 uh, fall producers and then uh, we will next week I'll let you know if it's time to time to start going on that so next week we'll be <laughs> we'll be into the fall feasts so we're coming up here um, this weekend we'll be Yom Teruah Terry, also known as hang on just Rosh a second I feel like Terry Perry has not listened to a lot of our shows wish you guys would go on tour speaking events we we just got back, man. We just oh, got... someone someone uh, sent us a note saying, "What would it take to get you to come to Central Georgia?" Not a lot because I got a lot of family in Georgia. I'm ready to go. All right. Yeah. If uh, here's the thing, listeners, please listen. If you want us to come and speak at your uh, your congregation, or if there's a event that you want us to speak at, all you got to do is send us an email, and we'll try to start looking at whether or not the Lord wants us to go or not. Come to Georgia, Christ, Christina says. <coughs> okay. Ohio, I got a lot of family. In, you see, this is the funny thing. 
I got family in Florida, in uh, in Georgia, and I got family in Ohio. So here's what my my family personally, my wife and my three kids and I have talked about flying into Ohio, and then renting a car and driving over to New York to see my sister and straight down to Atlanta to, to uh, meet the rest of the people because my my grandmother has not met a lot of her great grandchildren. No, yes, that's what her great grand. Yes. Yeah, that would be great, and you could make some stops along the way. Contact us. Yeah. So yeah, someone exactly. on the face, someone on the Facebook said, "When are you coming to Georgia?" So contact uh, Caleb or me, and we'll we'll get talks going. Georgia would be great because there's a lot of great hotels that we could uh, rent a a room out of if we needed to. There's also churches, I'm sure, that would would uh, that we could use a room in. Uh, we just need we can't do it all ourselves. We got we got uh, we need people to help us organize these kind of events. So on shoot. that note, the hospitality we experienced in uh, Ontario oh, was they set the superb. bar so high. They set the it, bar so high, dude. They, did they send your wife a care package? Yeah, yeah. They sent my wife a care and my mom a care, care package as well. Yeah, Unbelievable. It's, it's so sweet, so sweet, so uh, self-sacrificing, generous, accommodating. It was just amazing, and it made being away from home so. A lot easier, so yeah. easy, so smooth and so easy. So, thanks again to the dear hearts uh, in Ontario. There, eh? Christina, <laughs> you, uh, start by sending me an email: chegg at torresource.com. It's c h e g g at torresource.com. That goes for anyone. I see people saying uh, Tennessee, Oregon. Oregon would be easy because I'm right above Oregon. Um, uh, Ohio, uh, Houston, uh, and uh, Georgia. Send the emails. The email address is up on the screen right now. It's chegg.torresource.com. Send me emails, and uh, we try not to travel too often because it's hard on the families. I got a newborn as well, so it's, it's looking like just so hard. people know, it looks like next July, our team will be traveling to New Jersey. Right. So we'll just put that's a year out, but. We'll be in New Jersey next July, and uh, in November, this coming November, we'll be down in San Diego, um, and then uh, you know, let's, yeah, let us know. We're uh, we're always we're always willing, uh, as long as the Lord opens the doors and and my wife says yes. Okay, it's been that's fun. one of the doors. Yeah, that is one of the doors. You got to get through the gatekeeper first, <laughs> and she is the gatekeeper. All right. Well, it's been fun, and uh, we're so happy to be back. Thanks again to all the people in Ontario who made the stay just a wonderful one. We hope that this conversation has, uh, well, its main goal is to do one main thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. Why? Well, because Messiah matters. 